Record. There we go. We've hit record. And uh, here we are again. Right on. Right on, man. Okay. Okay. Original sound. That one. Uh, Well, all that's working for me. Good. You know, there's... uh, Sounds... Top of the pops, man. Top of the pops. Sounds good. Sure. Top of the pops, man. Okay. It always takes a, a while for Fred to get cranked up. Fred doesn't like to just jump in in the first 20 seconds. He just likes to take it take it slow and take it, take it easy on the way in. Take a big breath. Mm-hmm. I like to listen and learn. Oh, do you? Yeah. <laughs> for how long? Yeah, how long will you? Like, if, we, if I said nothing and, and Derwood here said nothing... What about it? How long would it? How long would it go at the beginning of the show? We should try that as, as an experiment. It, huh? <laughs> as, long, as long as it took me to think of something to say, which I, I'd come up with something. <laughs> Seconds before we hit record, you were saying some kind of nonsense, <laughs> spewing some of your Fred hilarity to us, and then I say, "Okay, we're recording," and then you look around like this is day one. <laughs> he's like that uh, frog in uh, isn't there Bug, Bugs That's Bunny right. episode he's the ribbit, where you're trying to frog. record yeah the ribbit frog talks and sings hello my baby hello my baby <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right yeah I've been people have said that over the years that I look like a frog I've had that what walrus oh yeah yep hey it's not easy being me no it's not I can tell I know that it's not easy being anybody uh, welcome everybody to the show. We got a lot of stuff to get through today, so we we really need. Let's start the show officially because there's lots of stuff that often happens on a Thursday. Humble and Fred podcast where we've all saved up stuff from the week to share with one another, and then you know, come Thursday we got to get to it. So Dan Duran, everybody. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from our state-of-the-art Humble and Fred studio in Toronto, from our well-equipped Brampton facility with a sports portal, and from Lisa's dining room table next to trendy black stick cinnabars. And is brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, Bodog, Kelsey's, and our newest sponsor, Lender's Choice Mortgages. And now, here are two men who are about to wind their way away. It's Humble and Fred. That was very well done there, Dan Duran. (laughs) Only a veteran voiceover guy could have pulled that off. When you, uh, I'm sure most people wouldn't have noticed that when Dan got to mortgages. (laughs) I'd love to go back and listen because he said, and lender's choice, mortgages. <laughs> but you know what I loved? What I loved about it is you just kind of plowed through it. <laughs> this is Dan. Note to self: Do not do auditions for Morgan. <laughs> it was just—it was so beautiful because it was just like the way you sort of ate the word and then just kept going on was just a, a veteran voiceover guy's move. Very good, Dan Duran. Very He's good. A trooper. Oh my god. If there's anybody yeah, on this, that, 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 wait, if there's anybody on this program that is actually a professional, it's you, Dan. Yeah, that's true, but I get away with stuff. Here's something. There was a, a company I did a, a job for uh, about a week ago, and uh, it's one of the things, these things with, the, like, four letters is the name of the company. You know, it's CFDC or CFIDC or something like that. 
in my audition for it, I actually mixed up the letters. And there's a longer story to that, but I just mixed up the letters. And uh, I got the job anyway. <laughs> That's how good you I realized. Are. I realized on the when I was about ready to push send, there's a deadline to when these things come up. And I went, ah, sh- I, they got the idea. And I ended up getting it. It was pretty good. Freddie, that's how good he is. He literally could get the name of the company wrong, and they're going, we could work with that. Maybe those guys were so impressed with Dan's voice. They're like, you know what? We should change the name of this company. (laughs) (laughs) They did say everybody gets it wrong anyway, so... Okay, well, good. I'm a good company then. You know, I've had the pleasure of working with uh, Fred's son as a cameraman when I was uh, in my production company days. For many years, I shot uh, a bunch of low-budget game shows and cooking shows with Danny Patterson as one of the lead camera people. And Danny got a lot of experience working with us. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if he was on the shoot that I hired Dan for. I hired Dan for a couple of them. But there was one corporate video we did. Small crew and Dan. A lot of words, long days, and uh, very, very complicated. A lot of stuff had to come out of Dan's mouth. Some of it by memory. Some of it, I think, on... You know, we had some uh, cue cards for Dan. But I remember one day as a director, I was like, we just had to get it done. And it was taking forever. And Dan kept fucking up the words. And uh, I didn't know what else to do. So I quietly walked up to Dan on the set so no one else could hear it here. And I whispered in his ear, I said, you're fucking killing me. (laughs) 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 And he looked up and said, you are killing me, Dan. Dan The inspirational director I tried I didn't know what else to do (laughs) I had nothing You know that's uh, I've often said that When I see these actors right In these movies And there's so much money on the line And they've got you know A big pile of lines They gotta read The pressure that must be on And of course they're professionals And I get that but I can relate to that, too. And I used to do those barbecue reports for CTV back, I guess, in the mid-90s. And they hired me because I was a sportscaster and they wanted the everyday guy barbecuing. And I thought, oh, I can do this. And then the sponsors got involved and they were standing behind the the, 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 the cameras. And they didn't think I was pointing to the uh, paper plates properly. And they didn't think I was sweeping my hand across the table properly. And... They didn't like some of the slang that I was using, and it was just, I'm getting this stuff from all over. And I had a couple of days, I'm telling you, just like that. It was, the producer had to come over to me and say, Fred, we got to, this costs money. We've got to get it together. And I just remember being in that situation where when the pressure's on, it's like, fuck, lights, camera, action. And it's like, ah, ah. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's you know, tough. Some, I mean, I, I did a couple of really big shoots. I did one huge commercial for um, Air Miles and hired Dan again. I, and I think I've told that story. I was in the audition with all these sponsors. It was a big, big day. It was like hundreds of thousands of dollars, a, a big, mm-hmm. big shoot. The biggest one I ever had directed and produced. And when the audition process, there was a bunch of people making decisions on four or five actors. And I put Dan's name up, uh, contacted his agent, which we shared, and I said, Dan's perfect for this role. And just before Dan came in, I said to everybody in the audition, in the producers, I said, listen, the next guy coming in, 
is one of my best friends. I just want you to know that, and I will, uh, you know, excuse myself from making the decision. You guys, you know, you guys do it. Dan came in. Well, you recused yourself. I was going to say recused, but I didn't want to get too fancy. Dan comes in, but just before Dan came in, the uh, production assistant walked in and went, this next guy is perfect. And I went, okay, per, you know, because, like, they didn't know I knew him. And you came in and you just nailed it. Like, he was so good. He was so good and professional, and I was so proud of him. And when he walked out, everyone, like, immediately was like, okay, well, that... There was one role that it was perfect. Well, I don't even think it was a newscaster, was it, Dan? It was something else, but it was whatever it was. You were perfect for it. Yeah, some hosty kind of thing. <laughs> and so that's the pro of this story. The con was on the day of the shoot, again, <laughs> I had to nudge Dan along because there was it was a huge shoot in a big soundstage against a green screen background. And uh, it was the most complicated thing I'd ever been involved with. And I do remember that day, sorry, nudging you along, saying, Dan, please, please help me. Help me help you. <laughs> know these words. Yeah. yeah, it's not. Yeah. Again, it's your job and you're a professional. You do it all the time. It's like anything else. But uh, nothing's quite like the pressure of that red light. Nope. Uh, I would imagine. Or whatever they do. Or the snap of the whatever you call that thing. Um, speaking of uh, acting, last night, we haven't started the show yet, have we? No. Oh, absolutely. You mean recording? Remember. Oh, we did. Yes. Yeah. No. We did the big intro. <laughs> yeah, we did the intro. Oh, did and okay. Remember the I'm mortgage sorry. line that I was, <laughs> lenders mortgages, right. lenders choice that's mortgage. That's right. Yeah, and, I'm yeah, sorry. That's how we that's how led to this. <laughs> two men are wending their self away. That's how it's okay. What were, we, what were we saying yesterday about early onset? Um, <laughs> yeah. This is pre-early. Um, I uh, watched the holdovers last night. It was uh, I gotta say I was disappointed. Oh, that's too bad. God damn no, it! No, I was really looking forward to it. And Paul Jemai, he was fine, but it was one of those movies where they tried to capture this feel, and to me, they just didn't. It didn't get there. Really? Yeah. Well, almost on the. It almost. It's literally one of the best picture nominations. Is it best picture too? Yes, brother. Uh. Along with Best Actor in a Leading Role for Paul Giamatti. That I know. Okay. But, yeah. Best Actress in a Supporting Role. Who the... uh, Divine Joy Randolph. I don't know who that is. Right. I know. Yeah. She plays sort of like the cook at the school. Uh, Yeah. uh, What can I say? You know? As they say, didn't land with me. Well, that's too bad. Because I'm still... So would you recommend I don't watch it? Or should I still take it? Have take a chance, watch it. No, you're in a different era. You you look at films differently than I do. And I would say, watch it. You may like it. I still want you to watch it's Barbie. Not I though. dislike that. I just thought it would be much better than it was. That's all. Well, yeah, maybe that was expectations didn't weren't, weren't mm-hmm. met. But I, I still want you to see Barbie. Okay. I, I, I'm now now more than just. I'm just interested to see what your take is on it. Um, we got to get to some stuff. As I said, we've held over. We're going to do our emails today. Of course, that's exciting. But there is uh, some news about this GLP-1. It's a a category of drugs, Dan, that will help. That really is is for someone like you that so hates fat people. uh, It's this it's the name of it's the Ozempic is in that category of GLP-1 drugs. 
And the reason I bring it up is there's a story that it, this is the year, because it's been in the news the last couple of years, but 2024 apparently is the year these drugs will be really taking off and become more widespread, wide usage, uh, all kinds of, uh, well, it's still up for prescription, but a lot of people are going to be uh, asking their doctors and having the conversation about this weight loss reduction drug. So it'll be more readily available because that's the big problem right now, right? Supply. Yes. Because our buddy neighbor John, he he had a supply problem with it. So if it's readily available, it's going to be weird, isn't it? You're going to know all these people have lost weight, and that's great. Losing weight is a good thing. Uh, but again, it's long-term side effects and what have you. But I think so the when people... You, when you go... Sorry about that. No, I was going to say the when you go go ahead. When you go off that drug, do you get you know to gain the weight back? Sure. Okay. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, but you know, hopefully you've made some behavioral behavioral changes. But well, I was going to say the, the people that go on it aren't people like you and I and Dan that would like to lose four or five pounds. They're like neighbor John, and I know another guy, friend of uh, Buddy Dave's, and all the people that I know that have tried it or are going to try it. Are more are morbidly obese. Yeah, but don't kid yourself. Eventually, down the road, if it's readily available, somebody that wants to drop just say twenty, yeah, they're going to be doing it. But you know, it's like blood pressure medicine or whatever. It's like, yeah, you know, I don't want to take that, but you know, for the next ten or fifteen years or whatever it is. But if that prevents a stroke and makes you feel better and you're healthier, yeah, the long-term side effects might be severe, but what's the trade-off? There isn't one. You take it now and live your life. <laughs> well, that's what I wanted you know, to say about what, side effects. Yeah. If you're 100 pounds overweight yeah. or 50 or 60 pounds yeah. overweight, the danger to your body in terms of hypertension, diabetes, mm-hmm. etc., are worth whatever side effects that you might encounter temporarily to lose that weight but to dan's inquiry about what happens after i think it's like anything else you know it's easy to mock people but it's like yeah it's easy to say oh why don't you just stop eating but once you're in the hundred pounds category obviously you've got some issues that are beyond just maybe i shouldn't have an extra fry and you nailed it there a couple of minutes ago when you yeah of course if you go off it and you don't change your lifestyle from before it of course, you're going to gain, wane the, uh, gain the weight back. Part of the pro, or part of the program, or part of the idea would be: while you're on it, losing the weight, learn how to eat properly. Of, or of course, you'll gain it back. It does. It, you know, this thing doesn't work retroactively, right? No. Yeah, it's not something that drug makers. To your question about supply, says drug makers are ramping up production to clear supply bottlenecks and variations of these drugs. Variations are in the approval pipeline and appear to be even more powerful than those already on the market. In fact, as a sidebar, it says anecdotal reports from patients also suggest there may be some other uses. Oh, I'm sorry, other cases for these category of drugs like treating alcoholism. Yeah. I think the value of it, too, is somebody that's morbidly obese sometimes, well, not sometimes, probably most of the time, the job is so overwhelming to lose the weight. You have this hopelessness that you start a bit and then you stop. And then if it suppresses your appetite and you see results, I mean, 
that's good. Because I know what it's like when I want to take 10 pounds off. It's a big job. It's a couple of months. You know, it's not like, I mean, without being, you know, taken on some thousand calorie a day diet, it takes a while. Yeah. To shed weight and, and and stay sort of healthy, eat properly and lose weight is not an easy job. It's because food is so yummy. Yeah. <laughs> Here, well, here's a question. I I, I don't know the answer. Dan Duran, fake reporter. What is your question? <laughs> when you, when you get to a certain overweight weight, yes. Um, isn't there a, a, an area there like you just don't keep getting heavier and heavier and heavier? You get to that point and you kind of maintain that. Weight? Am I wrong? Is it kind of like you, you sort of stabilize at whatever extreme weight you are? Well, with so some people, hey Dan, yes, you're right. But with some people, pie's the limit. <laughs> <laughs> I knew Freddie would like that. Yeah, <laughs> true man, true. <laughs> so if you do lose weight through a drug, then you find a new mean, maybe, and maybe not so difficult to stay there. I'm just. I don't. Yeah, know may, you know, maybe that that get, well. Well, two things. I think you're right that there are certain people, like the people that we've named, or I've, I know a few people that are sort of ridden that 300 pound kind of. Uh, they've been that weight for as long as I've known of them. So obviously, there's a point where they've leveled off, and maybe you're t- to the second part of what you said. Maybe with a, a drug like this, you lose 75 pounds. And then 225 becomes your sort of new normal or your new mean weight. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah. You know, everybody's different. I know I have this thing over the years that if I just, if I don't feel right, I just know I've hit 185 pounds. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just feel sluggish. And I just get, and I just know I have. And that's why. And again, my buddy neighbor John, when I first moved in here, I, he might have been 200 pounds. Now he's well over 300. It's like, again, everyone's different. Somewhere along that line, I would have thought, oh, I, I just can't do this anymore. But others are different. They say after a certain age, I don't know if it's 50 or 60, but at a certain point in midlife, you gain about three pounds a year just by the reduction of the speed of your metabolism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not giving any secrets away. John, I had the conversation with John. He said, I'm going on Ozempic. If you guys want to uh, talk about it and uh, track my progress, I'm all in. So I'm not speaking at a, a, at a turn here. No, I know. I know you told me that. he's. Uh-huh. Uh, I, and, and I listen, I, you know, I bring it up because this is one of those things that uh, 18 months ago, a couple of years ago, maybe... Most of us had never heard of Ozempic, and now this category of GLP-1. In fact, the reason I say the acronym or whatever the is because I see that up on billboards here in the city. I've seen those mm-hmm. adverts for GLP-1 drugs. Um, it's become it, so. This is the year, according to this article, that it will become way more widespread, and maybe maybe there will be some smaller right. versions where people that only want to lose twenty pounds can take it. I think we've always been lucky where my Ozempic is, and I think you can speak to this as well, is that decision at the line of scrimmage. Just finishing your meal, get up right away. Think about it. Get up now and put your dish in the uh, in the dishwasher. Yeah. Don't leave it there. Don't look over at the food. Don't wait five or ten minutes and wander over and get another wander over and get another help helping. 
I mean, that's been my downfall. I thought what I thought you were going to say is myozambic oh. is vanity. I mean, it is to a well, point. Well, that's part of it. Part I, absolutely, of it. absolutely. Because I love mm-hmm. eating. I would. I could go to a buffet every day. I, I love food, but there's a point where I have, and I'm sure Dan's the same. And we've eaten together for years. That you kind of go, okay, well, that's enough. Mm-hmm. And yeah. part of the reason is because I don't want to. I don't want to look fat. I mean, I'm and and because of Dan and the fact that he hates fat people so much. <laughs> That I, I just don't know what would happen to our relationship if I was 300 pounds. Here we go. The Dan Duran thing. He might say he's too fat for me. Here we go. Here's the words, that's all you need, because I just sang the tune. Oh, I don't want him, you can have him. He's too fat for me. Too fat. He's too fat for me. Anyway, it's a story that we thought would be of interest to everybody because, you know, it's New Year's and new resolutions and etc. you know, and that's one of the big Dan ones. Wants to, Dan wants to open a chain of fat camps <laughs> up in the up in the Cavan Hills, right? Yeah, that's exactly And again, it's not optional. He just wants to round fat people up and put them in these camps. That's that's his idea. Well, it's not as bad as our buddy Lumby, who for years was like, I, fat people should all, all have to go to their own island. <laughs> yeah, Dan will have a fat camps where he'll just walk around like one of those drill sergeants just slapping everybody with his giant dick. <laughs> By the way, and again, not to jump all over, yes. but it's sort of connected. What's that? Was it episode 9 or 10 of Band of Brothers? Oh, have you seen it? No, I I'm, I'm told you I'm, I'm oh. finished episode 7. Not to give too much away, but they dis- you know, they were oblivious to the concentration camps and as after Germany surrendered, they found a couple and those scenes are just uh, something else. Something else, brother. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to finish off the series, hopefully, before I get, I got a couple more days before I go to Mexico. Uh, Dan Duran, uh, we got a lot of stuff that, uh, I mean, you're welcome to stay. We want to talk about this hockey story, but uh, you will, There's. it's going to get very busy. After emails today, we're going to talk to the funeral home, the interview with Ridley that we rescheduled, plus uh, something from yesterday that's going to happen. So this is going to be a long show, everybody, you know, so get comfortable. If you're used to a certain Humble and Fred show time, probably going to stretch out a little bit today, Dan. Okay, that's fine. I'm ready for that. By the way, yes. <laughs> uh, in the hot on the heels of the Band of Brothers, yes, and the the Pacific, which is also kind of the same people, uh, Spielberg and Hanks, uh, they're putting together another. Uh, another show called Masters of the Air starts tomorrow. Mm. So if you like that, but th- this is uh, on Apple Plus. But it's another series along the same line. Yeah, about the uh, the Air Force? Yeah. Amazing. You would love it, I'm sure, because it's all, you know, uh, fighters and bombers and things like that. I love that stuff. Way. I'm almost embarrassed to be talking about a show 20 years old, but hey, you know, it's new to me. But, uh, Why are you embarrassed? So We've been dumb. talking about it for two weeks now. I know, but it, I but know. but I'm watching it too. Who cares how old it I is? Know. I, I know this. That was that was just my point. It's new to us, so fuck it. Anyway, um, episode five. You know, Tom Hanks makes a cameo, and it's like a split second, and he's just sitting in the background. <laughs> I didn't catch that. That 
And then I, no, I didn't either at the time. They said very few people do. But if you go back, I haven't yet. I'm going to go back and just catch that glimpse. By the way, in the holdovers, too, I found, uh, I discovered one of those um, uh, mistakes. Oh, yeah. Uh, editing, editing, editing mistakes. They're in uh, sort of a dining room. And they're talking about, if you watch it, they're going to Boston. And there's a big piece of ham on uh, Paul Giamatti's plate. And then there isn't, and then there is. Mm. <laughs> how could, in, why, in how could that have been left in? I don't know, but check it out when you're watching. Yeah. All right. Uh, back to the uh, Banner Brothers, because it came up with Landsberg. And then, mm. by the way, we didn't have a conference. Are you going to watch it? I'm going to watch it. I just started watching it. And then you said you were watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of this, tying in the air part of the, So these guys that the Banner Brothers are, are about that they focus on are paratroopers. So they're like mm-hmm. even better than, you know, highly skilled, yeah. highly trained. Some of the scariest scenes in that that made me uncomfortable was them on the plane uh, just prior to Normandy to prior to D-Day where they're jumping out at night. Thousands of these guys scattered all over the place, Dan. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, it was just unnerving because they're all just like they all... The looks on these, excuse me, these kids' faces, you know, knowing that, you know, s- some number of them aren't going to come back from this mission. There was a special, we talked about that yesterday, there's a special type of human being in, in those days. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of the reasons they call yeah. that like the greatest generation because, you know, I'm not jumping oh, yeah. out. I'm not jumping. First of all, I'm not jumping out of planes. That's dumb. <laughs> that would no, be me. No. This is dumb. And aviation was relatively in its infancy. Right? 20, uh, 20-ish years. Yeah, like, which isn't long when you consider what these things do. They're, like, up in the air. <laughs> and there's all these scenes of these big yeah. C-whatever bombers, uh, mm. uh, troop planes being shot at and, and bombed. Got no time for that in my life, Dan. Yeah, I'm about the training they probably didn't have because it was, you know, it was a war. It was happening now. We yeah. get people in the field. <clears throat> there couldn't have been a, a long kind of training uh, regimen. I mean, how many, how many uh, a month or a couple of months or something before you're on the ground shooting things? Yeah, I know. It's just ridiculous. Um, so come on back, Dan Duran, with the Dan Duran News. And uh, well, coming man. up, one of the biggest stories uh, in hockey happened uh, off the ice i'm sure you all know what we're going to talk about but first here's the fred man uh yesterday uh jay bondy was on the show on behalf of the retirement sherpa tim nibble a portfolio manager raymond james a member of the canadian investors uh, protection van uh plan a protection fund i'm sorry sorry about that <laughs> anyway jay was on to talk about a plan you know you got to have a plan it's uh, the beginning of the year and a fresh start and uh you know if you haven't uh, get out of the block so to speak and planning for your future and building wealth and your retirement well start with a plan and that's why you talk to jay or you talk to tim or you talk to somebody about a plan where to start where to go and uh, it'll all come together in time no doubt uh, the Retirement Sherpa, that's the way to go, retirementsherpa.ca. And tying into the Retirement Sherpa and Jay Bondi, Sherpa 2, is Mike Kazarian. One of the things you might want to look at, I mean, I don't know people like to talk about their insurance and their wills, but at some point this year, somebody listening 
is going to have to redo their mortgage. LendersChoiceMortgage.ca. Why would you choose them? Because they work with over 75 lenders. What they do is they shop around for you. They don't have any preference. They work with the lender that makes the most sense for you to achieve your goals, whatever that is. And just doing a little bit of math, if Mike and Lender's Choice can save you a half a point, a point even, who knows? It's a significant amount of money per month and over the life of your mortgage can save you a lot of money. They work with banks. They work with credit unions, alternative lenders and private lenders. They'll find a solution for all your mortgage financing needs. And if you want to support this program, support one of our new sponsors, Lenders Choice Mortgages. Mike is one of the broker owners, and they're an independently owned and operated member of Mortgage Alliance License Number 13582, LendersChoice.ca. So I'll take the back seat here and turn this over to you. Uh, just suffice to say, is one of the stories that has certainly been prevalent the last 24 hours all over social media and the news. But I wanted you to sort of take the, if you wouldn't mind, mm-hmm. give me the, the, the origin story back in 2018 when these hockey players were first identified and then the cover-up with Hockey Canada. Yeah, it took place in uh, London, Ontario, Team Canada 2018. And uh, apparently they were in a bar or something. One of the players met a woman, a girl, a girl, uh, took her back to the hotel room, apparently had conse- consensual sex, as the story goes. And then uh, he calls a few of his teammates into the room and they intimidate this women, woman and then end up sexually assaulting her against her will the other seven uh, uh, seven guys apparently four others from Team Canada and right out of the blocks I, I don't know the timeline exactly but Hockey Canada has this fund built within it where registration from hockey across the country it's sort of a, a liability fund if any of the players do anything wrong. And apparently this woman was paid money by Hockey Canada, hoping the story would go away. Well, it didn't go away, and it came back to the surface. London police apparently look absolutely foolish through this. It was the same thing. It's that hockey culture. Everybody just wanted to, you know, they didn't. Hey, it was London, Ontario. The, you know, the the spotlight was on us. Uh, we don't want this bad publicity and you know it's just a bunch of hockey players doing their thing so let's look the other way which they did but then the story came back and the heat gets on the london police and then uh i think government got involved there was some kind of inquiry so uh london police reopened the case and it culminated yesterday with five players being ordered to london ontario to face charges for sexual assault and these are five players, four of them actually in the NHL right now. And you know, Howard, you got to play that game. They've released five names. You can't necessarily say it's them, but you can put two and two together because these five players have requested leaves of absence from their professional teams. The fund you're referring so to is called the uh, Participants Legacy Trust Fund. Yeah. I'm reading here. <laughs> 
The yeah. Participants Legacy Trust Fund, which was funded partly by player registration fees. Now, if just re, just I want to ask a couple of questions because I recall when this happened and the story when the story came out, whenever that was, mm-hmm. um, wasn't didn't Hockey Canada get sanctioned somehow? Wasn't there like a, a oh penalty? yeah there was. Yeah, there was guys, uh, a couple of people fired, a couple of guys resigned, and then another person took over and resigned because it was all just too hot to handle. But, uh, yeah, I don't have the names of those people, but it was, you know, it's one of those situations, like, who are these people? Who are these people? You know, we say that with, again, not to bring Trump into it, but it's like, how do you support this guy? But these, you know, this is Hockey Canada, and again, they take money from... Minor hockey leagues across the, the the country to stay afloat, part of registration and everything. But these guys, again, they sat in a room and said, "This is tough. These uh, these boys shouldn't have done that to girl. That girl. Well, you know, rather than looking for justice and making them face the music, they immediately think, "How do we cover this up? How do we make this go away?" And they did because. Oh yeah, they did for a while. That sure. was their solution. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting. This fund, interesting that uh, where it was. Uh, it says the, the fund could have provided coverage for sexual abuse cases associated mm-hmm. with the former WHL coach Graham James, among others. But it didn't exist when that happened. So it mm-hmm. was. Pr- it was partly created and this is where i wanted to start weighing in a little bit created because of the culture of hockey since i was a kid you know i got uh, i played a pretty decent level of hockey and girls were always around this whole idea we were talking before the show about the the puck bunnies at every rink and you know young women giving themselves to you know nhl hopefuls hoping to you know catch on with one of them and you know being taken out of their circumstances but back to this night in London, I, I just when you describe it, it's like, OK, so the one guy hooked up with a chick. That's fine. But what what is it in the hockey culture that he would have thought, OK, well, now that I'm done, a good thing to do might be to call in my teammates so that they can have a crack at her. And the story is sickening. They walk in with golf clubs and she's for whatever reason, she's intimidated by that. She's drunk. And again, that's no excuse for anyone. Um, then at the end, they film her and try to get her to say that it was consensual or whatever. And then there's dialogue between the original player who had sex with her uh, uh, after that, like texting her saying, you know, you're not going to say anything or you don't go to the police. You know, you'll look bad if you go to the police and on and on and on. Like just Well, they must have known sickening. immediately that they've done something that was... Of course, that if got out would 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 because de- remember these were junior players at the time, yeah, on their way to the NHL. And as you pointed out, I I know I saw that part of the story is that four of these guys are already playing there, and one of them is apparently uh, like a superstar. Yeah, well, not as well. I don't know. Carter Hardy's the goaltender, starting goaltender for the Philadelphia. Okay, not Flyers. a superstar, but he's not a he's not. Yeah. A, they're not journeymen. No. These guys, no. And I mentioned the names because, again, it's not too hard to put two and two together. Another one is Cal Foote, the uh, son of uh, Adam Foote, who played, you know, had a great career in the NHL. So I'll tell you, there's a lot of people scrambling and embarrassed right now and trying to come up with a defense. And like, how like, how do you? And, you know, this is probably, again, going to result in a court case where they're going to try and 
present themselves as victim, this vamp seduce them all you know that's what it'll that's what it will turn into well, i hope it doesn't you know um well it usually does doesn't it and um steve simmons wrote a great article this morning which i read and he says you know a london police ordering uh it's uh have ordered five players still publicly unidentified publicly unidentified mm-hmm. to turn themselves into local police he writes, "Is it is at their leisure, of course. We wouldn't want to inconvenience anybody here. Imagine if the real world worked this way. You were accused of a crime allegedly committed six years ago, and you turn yourself in once they catch you, at your convenience. Whatever. He says, this is hockey player justice in a hockey player country, in a hockey player town. And that fucking nails it. Yeah. It really, it does. It really does. Yet... Uh, in a survey recently showed that 73%, to his point about a, co- a hockey culture, 73% of Canadians felt anger that this fund existed, money mm-hmm. financed by player registration fees, used for payments not covered by insurance that included sexual assault complaints, that people were angered that this was being maintained by Hockey Canada. My point is... The reason they had this fund is because this isn't the first time this happened. This is part of the culture of the mm-hmm. game. And, and, you know, it's been a long time since I've been around junior hockey and minor hockey. and My kids didn't play it. My daughters both played soccer, which I loved. Anyway, um, but my point is this exists because that has existed for as long as there's been hockey. Oh, yeah. Like in this country... You know, if you're a good hockey player, you live a different life. You know, you're pampered, you're stroked, you're told you're special. It's just the way it is. And, you know, it becomes, it turns into that culture where a lot of these guys think, you know, they're above the rules. Things are different for them. They can get away with this. And hopefully, you know, they don't. And it doesn't look like they are. Um the NHL, too, hasn't had anything to say about this yet. And the NHL has been weird through this. Like, they have many sexual assault cases over the years. You know, the Chicago Blackhawks went through that whole controversy, and guys lost their jobs over that, including Joel Kenville, a coach. But the the NHL has to say something, because these are NHL players now. But <clears throat> it just it just feeds into the same attitude. Like, they want to ignore it. They want to, you know, they the NHL keeps saying, well, you know, it's before the courts and the police. It's in their hands. Well, that's not yeah, well, good enough. You still have to say something yeah. else. But for there's now, that's all, they're, they're, that's all they're That's all they're going to say for now until there's, yeah. you know, until it moves forward. I, I'm just glad it is moving forward. I'm glad that in this day and age, at least in 2024, you know, that young woman, for whatever reason... Years ago, she may not have come forward and may not felt comfortable to file a complaint. Well, that's where it becomes murky, right? And I think if this gets to court, the girl's going to go through hell. Because let's be honest, that you want to talk about cultures, the puck bunny culture has always been there, too. Yeah. You know? girls giving themselves over to hockey players because they're starstruck. Well, that's a problem, too. 
Yeah, and, not, and as I mentioned, that's yeah. been around for as mm-hmm. long as hockey's been around for a lot sure. variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't excuse gang rape. And and the fact that, no. you know, again, this young human being is, you know, imagine you're being, imagine that's one of our daughters. And, the, you know, there's no, there's no way of blaming her. Mm-hmm. You know, when you connect the dots here, this um, Carter Hart, the goalie of the Flyers, has been pretty good this year, but his last two games, he's been horrible. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, oh, you know, somebody, his agent, whatever, lawyer has said, hey, the heats, this is about to, this is about to pop. Yeah, and this is serious shit. And this Cal Foot kid who was promising, promising hockey player over the past year or so has been demoted to the minors. So, you know, they're probably playing with this on their mind, right? And why wouldn't they? But too, too effing bad because yep. they've got to face it. Okay, well, listen, I'm glad we uh, talked about that because I just said I saw it all over the uh, the news yesterday and it was on social media and on the real news. And so why don't we uh, just have a little palate cleanser here and um, let's get to our emails in a second. Have you talked about the chamber plan? Because uh, I'll tell you what, a lot of people are, you know, on their way to... Southern climbs, myself, yourself, and the Chamber Plan, of course, got an amazing travel insurance. Oh, if you're a member of the uh, Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, well covered travel-wise, yes, you are top-notch. Go to chamberplan.ca and find out all about it, of course. With a benefits package, you know, there are priorities. Yeah, travel's great, but what about prescriptions, eh? What about dental, hey? What about that kind of stuff? Of course, that's very important. Therapies, you know, you injure yourself. You get a bad back. Therapies. They have an HR component. You have a small business and, you know, you need some advice on how to handle employee. It's there. Yes, it is there. And there's a mental health component now in real time where you can talk to someone if you need to, which is very valuable in this day and age. It's the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan. Canada's number one group benefits for, for small business. Go to chamberplan.ca. Uh, apparently, there's some um, mix up here on Facebook. We are where I normally appear on the panel. Yeah. In the Facebook panel, apparently, there has been switched around. The weird thing is, where, where we are that I can see looks like it always does, but apparently, it's been switched around on Facebook and it's it's freaking some of the kids out. Uh, anyway, I think I know why. It's because we updated our uh, Zoom uh, software just before the show. Uh, thank you for that, Fred. Yes, Chamber Plan. Very, very good. So happy to have them as part of our Humble and Fred family. Uh, as well, when it comes to sports betting, uh, we're very excited to have these people on board. Feeling caught in a neutral zone? <sighs> When things start to go offside, you know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Check out the latest sports odds and get free tips to help you score this hockey season. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. Hi, guys. All right, here we go. It's Thursday. A lot of people have been sending us Correo Electronicos. Which is Spanish for emails. 
Right on. And let's start with this one, Howard. It's uh, subject matter, loud cop. Okay. From Tanya Hutton. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Heard about the loud cup on your Tuesday show. Thought it sounded ridiculous. But you know what? I bought two. There is a small survey upon checkout, including asking where I heard about it. So naturally, I responded, humble and Fred. Cheers and happy birthday, Howard. Tanya. Aw, thank nice. you, Tanya. That's, that's how we want it to work. That's how we want it to work. Yeah, and I'll be taking that email and sending it to the loud cup guy. And saying, see, just see what's happening here. Hi guys. Uh, this one just came Hi in, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to do it from our old friend Dave Powery. Says it's been a while. Subject line: Hi guys. Uh, he says, sorry, I haven't said anything for a while. Life was a shit show from mid-November to now. Health scare and a loss of employment. That sucks. So I hope uh, I haven't lost my regular contributor status. I have been catching up on the show. And uh, have a few things to use and uh, point out. First of all, he says, first off, uh, why your listeners love you so much. Do you want to know? Sure. Uh, he says, I relate it to when we were all younger listeners, we thought of you two as the crazy brother-in-law uncles that all the kids hung out with at the family gatherings because because <laughs> because we wanted to hear all the crazy shit you had done and you might slip us a beer, a smoke or a joint. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we continue to listen and love you because now you are cranky old uncles at the family gatherings that we hang out with because now we want to hear what fucked up shit you have to say. <laughs> so that's great. Uh, he says, uh, stay strong, fellas. Uh, resting heart rate in the mid 80s. Bowel movements, consistency, quite good. Just not frequent enough. I hope that was good filler for you guys. And Dave Powery, always great hearing from you, my friend. I hope uh, whatever health scares you had are clearing themselves up. Freddie, what's the next one? Uh, Pill cutter, the subject matter. Zach Altilia. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Just wanted to let you know, uh, you never know who you are going to reach. At 39, I had an aortic dissection. Now, I am on warfarin and... Bisoprolol. Bisoprolol. I'm on the same thing. Bisoprolol? Bisoprolol. Bisoprolol, yes. As in lol. Bisoprolol. Bisoprolol. Warfarin does change all the time. Now, uh, warfarin does change all the time. Now I want that pill cutter. Anyway, love the show. Zach, bowel movements like a train schedule. Heart rate around 60 uh, BMO thanks to... That medicine you just said. Bisoprolol. I think what he's saying there is warfarin yeah. changes all the time in size, so now he wants a pill cutter. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. It does make sense. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Zach. Mm-hmm. See, it's funny, you know, you think you're going to talk about a pill cutter and, pill, a pill cutter, and, no right. one, and no one will relate to it, but apparently mm-hmm. that's not the case. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. This is from uh, Julie. And Julie says, uh, hi, guys. Hi, guys. Really enjoy the show. And after listening to you talk about the Bills, we've started watching the Bills. We watched the Bills game against uh, Kansas City, hoping the Bills would win. And we don't watch football, but we didn't want to miss out 
if they won and we were just as aggravated as Howard, it was difficult to watch the last half. On another note, I know Fred is watching Band of Brothers, so that may, uh, that may take up some time. I mean, I'm assuming since uh, the Bills are now out of the, uh, out of the season. She says, I yeah. wanted to remind him, that's you, to give mm-hmm. Welcome to Wrexham Season 2 another chance. She goes on to say, I could see my husband's fading interest, so I think I brought him back in at Episode 6. And he watched and enjoyed it, as I did, by the way, Julie. Uh, the last few episodes even had him yelling from the couch, so don't give up on it, Fred, says Julie. Okay, I won't. I'll give it another shot. Why not? Yeah, because she's right. When when I, I it got really dull there in the middle of the episode four, five, six, seven, and then it kind of starts to crank up again toward the end of the season. I think you'll like it. She says, Hundy P, since Voldemort, heart rate 79, BM's regular, stay strong, love you guys, Julie. And isn't that, isn't that nice? Yeah. That somebody cares about us that much. Yeah. It's outstanding. It is outstanding. Hi, guys. Right. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Transgender athletes from Chris Woods. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. I was listening to your show where you were talking about the golfer who was a transgender athlete. My wife was a world-class swimmer in the 80s and 90s. At that time, she had to deal with the doping issue where the Russians and the German women were taking hormones to give them an advantage. And it was devastating to her. I love the conversation. Thank you so much for bringing this up. I think people need to realize that it's okay for you to change your sex. However, you need to appreciate the people around you and what the implications of your decision is or are. Uh, Thank you very much. uh, Testing heart rate 77, bowel movements regular. Happy guy, Chris. Uh, Yeah, that's basically how I feel and I think you feel, Howard. Same thing. It's... You know, of course, do whatever makes you happy, but be aware of those around you and how your actions could maybe affect others. And that's the situation here. It's just not fair. Yeah, they're going to have to figure something out because it's, uh, it's this mm-hmm. this thing, whatever that is, um, thing, I mean, uh, transgender athletes trying to play sports. Well, it's, it's, not, it's never... It's. I don't think it has been, at least, a woman trans, transitioning to a male trying to play male sports. It's always going to be like the swimmer, like the golfer, a male to female transition, and then competing against female athletes that don't have the same advantage. Yeah, I mentioned that the other day. There's your answer. Where are the males turning into... Uh, where are the females turning into males and trying to enter men's sports? It's just show me I there there isn't <laughs> so and if there uh, is, you know, I'll tell you what by the way if there is no one's talking about it because they're not making any impact no in that discipline maybe one day it could be who knows what that sport would be uh, but thank you again for that uh, follow up uh, Freddie hi guys I think this is my yes. uh, subject line happy birthday and from our friend Mike McCulf, Buffalo Boy, says, uh, obviously, hi, guys. Hi, guys. Actually, just says, happy birthday, resting heart rate 70, blood sugar 100. Happy birthday, Howard. Then he has a joke for us, Fred. What is a prize, okay. what is a prize for old people 
What what is a prize old people can win for aging? A trophy. Atrophy. <laughs> he says, here's to a lot more trophies. Loving you guys, a Buffalo boy. And he is a good boy, Michael. Thank you, Mike. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. He's a good fella. Hopefully we get a chance to hang out with him again this summer, watch a little baseball. He's so he has to be so devastated over the Bills because he I haven't heard from him. Like during the game, nothing. After the game, nothing. And again, he's just another one of those guys that if the Bills ever won the Super Bowl, I would just feel so good for. You know, I was going to ask you, because we had talked to your friend or our friend of the show, uh, John... uh, Ellefson. Ellefson. Had you heard from him since the loss? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, he's... Again, he's, you know, he's like... You know, he's in his 60s. He's like a Leaf fan, right? You're just used to the abuse. <laughs> he's, mm-hmm. he's numb from it all. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. I get it, man. Uh, yeah, it still kind of bumps me out. I'm thinking about the weekend. Like, what will you be watching? Will you watch the Lions? It's Lions and San Francisco and Casey and uh, Baltimore, right? Yeah, I'll watch them Sunday afternoon. Sure. I'll watch them because I like watching football. Yeah, me too. Now see what happens. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be at my new place at uh, in uh, Mexico, and it's got a te- like the, my brother's place had no TV, so I was watching everything on my computer. But this, I I'm going to bring an HDMI, but I'm going to also be able to watch some of the stuff I think on television, which will be great. But I'm definitely going to be watching it uh, Sunday afternoon for sure. The KC game, but now that I say it, I'm I probably watch the Lions game too. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one more, in a way. However, I don't think they stand much of a chance. Yeah. And what about Kansas City over uh, Baltimore? Oh, I want Baltimore to win. Why? Because Kansas City beat the Buffaloes? Yeah, and I'm just enough, you know. Kansas City, this is their sixth. Isn't it their sixth day? Yeah, and they're defending defending Super Bowl champions. Yeah, they've had their chance. Yeah, it's like, okay, let's move on. All right, very nice. And let's move on. Uh, What do you got? I think you've got one more, right? Uh, Yeah, or maybe another one after this one. Anyway, the subject here is Fred versus Taylor from Carrie Muse. Hi, guys. Oh, sorry. Hang on a second. Hi, guys. Okay, hi guys, I'm a little disappointed in Fred's comments about Taylor Swift at the Kansas City football games. You are 100% entitled to whatever opinion you have of her. Being, uh, But being annoyed by seeing her on the broadcast seems misplaced. She doesn't decide to focus a camera on the suite she's sitting in, nor does she decide to cut to that camera on the broadcast. Your annoyance should be directed at the broadcaster and maybe the NFL itself. Taylor is simply attending a football game in support of her boyfriend. Well said, Carrie. Well Hun- said, Carrie. Hundy P since 1994. Wow. Um, yeah, but, uh, I, you know, I guess I don't explain myself. Well, I don't in in any level or situation or blame Taylor Swift. Never did I say that. I think I made it quite clear. It's the television networks and the NFL that want it. That's what bugs me. Of course, it's not her fault. She's in there. She'd probably rather not have it on her. I get that. Did, you make, it, did you make it quite network. clear? Oh, I, I think so. Well, Carrie doesn't think I, so. <laughs> well, this is it. This is what I'm saying. You know, in your own mind, you think you've made it clear, but obviously to Carrie, no. But of course, Taylor, I, listen, I know she's has nothing to do with it. Zero. 
It's the, you know, it's showbiz. It's the entertainment industry, and the networks have latched onto it, and it's good for business. So yeah. that's what, yeah. And I know I, you know I, I that. I get all that, too. I'm just tired of it. That's all. All right. Well, I'm, I, you know, again, I'm with Carrie, and I, I, I didn't think, I never, it doesn't offend me, maybe because I'm such a fan of hers. And I'll tell you what, this next email is another Taylor Swift email, but I, I'm, and I'm sorry that I didn't uh, think of this because I've seen this. Hi, guys. Um, Hi, guys. By the way, that guys. should be your last one. I think that so was. No, I have one more about Basil. But oh, okay. Basil. Maybe I gave you an extra yeah. one. Right. Um, Okay, so this comes from Rod Johnson, and I need to just open this up. So what this is, hang on a second. Oh, there it is. So, and, and, and again, I, I know you're not uh, against Taylor Swift. You were just uh, tired of all the, the whatever, the, the coverage. Rod's, uh, this didn't come as an email. It came as a direct um, message on uh, X. So I'll just say hi, guys. Hi, guys. He says, here's a clip you need to play for Freddie to help him deal with Taylor Swift. He may become a fan. Ha ha. Take care, RJ. And again, as you've just explained, you have nothing against Taylor Swift. But there was a documentary me and the kids watched a few years ago about Taylor Swift. This was before she, she was already superstar. <clears throat> but before she blew up to this level of superstardom, there was an exchange on the documentary during the election year uh, when Trump was uh, campaigning. And I'm going to play you a few seconds of it because Taylor Swift, to the detriment, to the, she was being, um, to the, against the advice of her father, her mother, her manager, her security, wanted to come out in support of somebody running against Trump. Mm-hmm. And, and this is an interesting clip where she's basically saying, I have to do this because it's the right thing to do. Something that I know is right. And you guys, I need to be on the right side of history. Yeah, and if he Taylor, doesn't win, then at least I, I at least I tried. Taylor, here's, the, here's the problem. I just want to read you what I wrote. And I'm going to try to start. I just really want you to know that this is important to me. I totally agree with the issue. Have you heard hers? Yes, I've read the entire thing. And the bottom line right now, I'm terrified. That's her dad. I went out and bought armored cars. I worry for her safety as much as anybody does. Maybe more. It really is a big deal. She votes against against fair pay for women. She votes against the reauthorization of the of the Violence Against Women Act, which is just basically protecting us from domestic abuse and stalking. Stalking. She votes. She thinks that, that if you're a gay couple, or even if you look like a gay couple, you should be allowed to be kicked out of a restaurant. It's really basic human rights and it's right and wrong at this point and i can't see another commercial and see her disguising these policies behind the words tennessee christian values those are tennessee christian values i live in tennessee i am christian that's not what we stand for anyway i thought it was very i I remember this clip Mm -hmm. in the movie and i was very impressed by the fact that unlike a lot of artists who specially appeal to a certain demographic that she does, the Tennessee Christian group, that she was willing to go against mm-hmm. everybody and and take a stand for something she believed in. And I do remember watching that with the kids thinking, that's pretty impressive. I don't know anything about this kid, but I was impressed by that. Mm-hmm. 
And again, I'm not trying no. to win you over because there's no winning you over. That's not your point. I know that. But, but again, no, you don't need to win me over. I, I mean, I, I'm totally like fantastic. I don't know our music. Fantastic career. You you can have nothing but respect for it. My only thing is to, they keep showing her in the bar. That's it. Yeah, but, I know. You know, and the thing is the precedent. Look what the Dixie Chicks went through just for saying they were embarrassed by George. Look oh, where yeah. we've come from. Yeah. Just saying, oh, well, I'm embarrassed by George Bush back, you know, during whatever. Nine Eleven? No, it was it was, it was big. just after nine eleven. That's what it happened. It was oh, was the it? backlash oh, okay. of nine eleven? Yeah. And what ha- they were literally brought oh, yeah. to their knees just over that, and now this disgusting gutter pig Trump, what he does, and to speak out and and and. And even with the, the Dixie Chicks, I don't even know if it got violent, the threats and whatever. Oh, absolutely, I can't it did. remember. Oh, okay. Absolutely. But now, to, for, to fear for your physical safety by defending a group that should be defended. Well, listen to what her father says. Scary. In that clip, her yeah. father's saying, listen, I, I, I had to get armored cars. Like mm-hmm. because and again I don't remember the exact issue, but basically Taylor Swift wanted to go on and 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 did send a letter out to the press mm-hmm. and the world, basically denouncing mm-hmm. this woman that was being endorsed by Trump and was going against mm-hmm. abortion and all this other stuff. Whatever the issue right. was, uh, I do remember that, and I'm glad Rod sent that clip because I was like, oh yeah, now I kind of remember why I like this kid mm-hmm. because she had and by the way at this point in her career way bigger. Than the Dixie Chicks, and now in twenty, this was four or five years mm-hmm. ago. In twenty twenty four, she's the biggest pop star on the planet. So, and and I listen. I'm not dumb. I get why NBC or whoever CBS every time Kelsey scores, they cut to her. Mm-hmm. It's it, of course, and, and and I guarantee if you and I were directing those shots, we would be too. Yeah, it's a, mm-hmm. probably a, people like you have had enough of it, but uh, but I do respect this kid. She's got uh, she's definitely got some backbone. And look how upside down the world is right now when it comes to this stuff. Kid Rock, that disgusting piece of shit that he's become. Just think what he did over the Bud Light Light thing because of this transgender. Taking a gun and shooting up the Bud Light and totally denouncing, you know, the transgender thing. Has he been threatened? I haven't heard of... His life being threatened or, or you know, yeah. him being in any kind of danger. Isn't it funny? So you can be that evil and it sort of slide through. And then somebody like Taylor Swift or the Dixie Chicks, which take a stand, you know, for decency, are the ones that have their lives threatened. Like, what's the matter with the world? Well, that's my point when I say that. Well, like, I yeah. often say that, you know, when Democrats disagree with you, they don't threaten your life. You know, there is you talk because you brought this up with Tony Clement yesterday. I didn't want to challenge you, but you say, you know, or maybe Tony brought it up like there's some crazies on the left. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. But the crazies on the left aren't trying to overthrow the government or deny or deny an election or mm-hmm. now making death threats against people that they disagree with. Right. I'm sure they do, but not like this. I, I'm sure I someone what, out there would know. Yeah. Oh, you know, there was some death threats on the line. Mm-hmm. Anyway, no, I think Tony's point there was the you know the the people on the extreme right don't necessarily help the cause, and people on the extreme left don't help the democratic or the democrat cause. Yeah, I see. I get that, and 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 and, and the the worst I've seen, the worst reaction I've seen from left leaning 
people in the world in general, North America in particular, is the reaction that's happened from Hamas uh, and the attack of October Mm -hmm. 7th. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, Okay, do you say you have one more? Yeah, if you want it. Let me just, Uh, well, let me message uh, Brad here. So let me get that standby uh, because he's a little early, which is fine. Um, I think I gave you an extra one. So, yeah, hang on a second. Let me just get this. Go ahead, dude. I'm ready when you are. Uh, Hi, guys. Basil. Subject matter, basil. Right. Jennifer Kelly. She says, hi, guys. Hi, guys. Oh, my God. I literally had to pause the pod and send this. You're killing me. Basil is not an herb. Anyway, hope you're a great, fantastic guest this week and lots of... uh, uh, Learnings from the sponsors, especially Jay Bondi. Very nice. Stay warm. Keep the heart rate low. P.S. My Boston hates this weather. Barely goes out for a pee. Enjoy the weekend, Jen Kelly. So thank you very much for that. Uh, Jen, I'm not going to play your clip. But basically, it's very, very sweet of you. Jen's one of the few people that ever sends us voice notes. But mm-hmm. uh, that kind of sums up a lot of what Jen was saying. Well, basically, because we were having this argument last week. Argument? Discussion. We had a discussion. Basil cell carcinoma, whatever you have on you, or basal cell. Mm-hmm. That was basically the point of Jennifer's uh, note. But basil isn't a, an herb? I didn't know that. I thought. Bat. Uh, no, I'm. Yeah. Basil. Basil is the is the basil. Basil is the herb. Basil is the cancer. Oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know what it gets down to, though. You say either way, and people know what the hell you're talking about. That's all that matters. That's all that matters in the Fred world. You know, mm, Fred world. We're all part of the Fred world. All right, Fred World. Uh, let's get uh, Brad Jones here. Yeah, we had to. Uh, we had some technical difficulties, which are. And you pointed this out. I think it's. I would say the same thing that in 13 years of doing this program, there is really it's the exception where we have a complete meltdown of equipment or something technical, like we had the other day, yes. where we had to stop the show, and unfortunately. Right. Brad uh, Jones, who I'm going to get to into the Zoom room right now, he was a unfortunate victim of our technical difficulties. Brad is uh, also has got his own podcast. Uh, Toronto Mike produces that thing. It's called Life Life's Undertaking. New episode drops every couple of weeks, and uh, Brad owns and operates Ridley Funeral Home. It's a very interesting story that Brad Jones has got, and we are excited to have Brad Jones join us on this program. Let me give you a little music, Brad. Welcome to the Humble and Fred Show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to, uh, to being here today. Well, I apologize in advance, so I'm just mentioning that in 13 years of doing our podcast, we have rarely had something happen where the, everything just shut down. And unfortunately, Brad, you were... Part of that nonsense, Brad. Welcome to the show. How uh, you've been operating this funeral home for a very long time? How long? Well, myself, I've uh, I've owned it since uh, 2013, but I've been working here since 1991. Um, but the funeral home has been here since 1921. Was it your family's? So, 
No, no, it wasn't my family's at all. I, my family was never in the uh, the funeral business. Um, I did a, a co-op when I was in high school and enjoyed it. So I went to and became a, uh, a funeral director. Um, I got a job at Ridley Funeral Home after I did my internship and been loving it ever since. That's a fantastic story. So, yeah, it wasn't the family business. You started working there and you end up owning it. Yeah, Maybe. truthfully, yeah, it was it was actually just uh, you know great luck for me, um, and it's something I worked for. Um, mm-hmm. The boss that I had, George, who owned the funeral home, his his family owned it since the fifties. Um, he was looking to retire, and we were talking. I was managing the funeral home at that time, and he gave me a great opportunity to uh, to purchase it. And our family was really fortunate because George could have sold it to a conglomerate for a lot more than he could sell it to us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was other independent funeral homes that would have paid just as much as what we were paying or a little bit more. But he wanted to keep it family owned and wanted to keep it in, uh, you know, in what he considered his family. Is George still alive? He is. Yeah. Oh, but you yeah. got the deal to look after him once he's not, right? <laughs> yeah, I imagine so. I imagine oh, okay. so. <laughs> I want to come back to the independence and how rare it is now. A lot of the big funeral homes in this city and a lot uh, around North America have been gobbled up by conglomerates. But I want to come back to something you said about interning at a funeral home. And, and I'm not, listen, you know us. We're, at some point, we're going to say some stupid stuff. But just this, this might be the first one. Mm. So when you're a young person and you're in a funeral home, did you just look around? Because a lot of people, that would turn them off. Did you just look, look around and go, you know what? I dig death. I'm loving this death, and uh, I'd like to be around death for the rest of my life. Like, no, but it's, and I'm being quasi facetious, but really, was there a moment where you're like, I really love this whole death business? Yeah, for me, um, you know, I think uh, my um, my first recollection of death um, was I was about eight years old, nine years old, and I was we were camping out on uh, Lake Erie and. Um, the night before it was really, really rough weather and these, uh, teenagers went out, uh, in a rubber raft and, you know, I think a couple of them drowned and we were, uh, my friend and I were walking along the beach and the, uh, the couple that was up ahead of us, they found the dead body. And that was my first, uh, experience with seeing a dead body, which was kind of intriguing back then, um, after that, it was probably a, a couple of years later when my, my grandfather died. We were out in uh, the East Coast on vacation, and we got the call that he had died and rushed back to uh, our hometown of Hamilton. And when we got there, the casket was closed. I never saw my grandfather again. So it was just, you know, as a nine-year-old, 10-year-old kid, it was like, you know, yeah, he's in there. And it was like the strangest thing because just before we went on vacation, we had a big family barbecue and he was there. And, you know, so for me, it was like that really got me curious about that. So you were intrigued by it. I was intrigued. I was intrigued. And I, I didn't quite understand the whole process or why things, you know, were done the way they were done. Um, so, yeah, so when I went to high school, you know, I remember sitting with the guidance counselor and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I said, you know, this is kind of what I'm thinking. And, she, you know, she kind of laughed at me. Um, you know, but the, uh, she got me a co-op at a funeral home and I've been doing it ever since. And that's something she sort of laughed at you because that's what I, you know. Mm-hmm. So you went to college for this. I went to uh, Humber College, uh, the North Campus, and spent my my year at school there. And then I did an internship and then uh, wrote our government right. exams. So 
she laughs at you. And I, I imagine along the way you've heard a lot of stuff, but something as inevitable as death, something like an actual, you know, the business of death is, you know, you're getting a constant supply. To laugh at that really is sort of weird. You understand it, but actually it's uh, it's quite the business, actually. It is, you know, and like the the program's called funeral service, right. and I think uh, you know, I think that actually kind of sums up what we do. It's it's service, you know. You're mm-hmm. you're serving, you know. We're, we look at it this way: we're serving the dead, but we're also serving the living. Mm-hmm. And you know, I joke. Uh, I coach basketball, and I, I joke with my the kids I coach, and I said, you know, I, I don't like any of you. My favorite people are dead people. <laughs> well, I, 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 I was gonna, I thought you were going to say my favorite part of basketball are the dying moments. Yeah, <laughs> and at some point I was going to do the joke like, I mean, I'm sure people have done this with you where you walk around your home and you're, you're just like, oh, I, I see dead people every day. I yeah. see dead people. But, you know, you make a good point and think, too, about, you know, it is inevitability and and our culture, especially nowadays, has gotten themselves removed from being around people that die. Whereas years ago, you know, grandparents lived in the home. It was very routine. Death wasn't as removed as it is now. And you're sort of, you bridge the gap, I guess. Or would it be fair to say that's part of your service to the living is bridging the gap between what happens when somebody dies and uh and 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 sort of being their guide through the entire process yeah i think uh, absolutely we um we kind of do that bridging of the gap and you know we're you know our business is called the funeral home right so you're right we you know 100 years ago we had people when they died you had mom dad grandma grandpa you know and set up in your front parlor mm-hmm. um you know, you'd have you know, visitation that would take place there and everyone would come through. And as homes changed and we didn't have these big homes anymore, it got a little bit more harder to have a visitation in a, uh, a small living room that, you know, wartime homes. So funeral homes really started to take off back then. And, you know, it's we make our, our, our funeral home basically an extension of the family's home. So they're inviting their guests to come to our home, which really becomes their home for the day. Um, we're, we're, we're still a small funeral home in Toronto. You know, there's some funeral homes that are doing, you know, well over a thousand funerals a year. And, you know, we're a a small funeral home. We do about 350. And one of the things that we do that it's unique is every family that we serve gets the entire building to themselves. So they're not sharing with other families. You know, it's like when you go to a wedding, you know, you go to a wedding and there's a venue and there's just one wedding there. Mm-hmm. It's it feels special. You go to another wedding and there's like, you know, four wedding parties standing out in front in this uh, this foyer. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel as special anymore. I don't know if you've thought of this, uh, uh, Brad, but it's you're like the Verbo of funeral homes because that's your big thing on. Uh, you see the, all their ads now for v- Verbo. Yeah. There's a well, you get the you don't have to share it with another family. You get the entire home. Yeah, I suppose we are. <laughs> yeah. Brad, I've often thought about doctors, you know, and they say that about doctors all day long. People just walking in their office with problems and it's got to wear on you. How do you prepare yourself mentally? Because, again, 300 and some odd funerals a day, that's like one a day. So once a day you have to deal with a grieving family like that can't be fun. You know, I think it's like anything, right? Um you know, it's it's what you do, and you you get a lot of satisfaction about helping families. But mm-hmm. you're right; it it weighs on you, and mm-hmm. you need to have an outlet. So you know, some nights the outlets before behind my left shoulder, 
Um, yeah, I can see that. Three people who is that proper twelve? Is that a bottle of proper twelve? There, it is. Yeah, for yeah, you oh, people who aren't fantastic. watching it, there's a bit. There's a bunch of booze <laughs> over uh, Brad's shoulder. Yeah. yeah, but you know the other things is exercise for me. Um, you know, having fun. You know, I like coaching basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives me an opportunity to yell at other people's kids, not just my own. Yeah. Um, you know, finding an outlet to get rid of this because when you're you're sitting with the family and you're doing this, you're absorbing all their energy. Right. You got to get a way to get rid of it. And I guess untimely death too is is tough. I mean, there's different levels of death. You bring grandpa in at 93, it's like, oh, okay, he had a good life. But then the untimely deaths have got to be, yeah, and heartbreaking. The, the last couple of years, it's been it's been probably the roughest years as a funeral director, I'd say. Um, you know, during lockdowns and having to, you know, mm-hmm. force families to have small gatherings and things yeah. like that was really tough. But we saw such a, you know, there's been a lot of untimely deaths the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm always curious about the function of a funeral home in terms of, like you say, you, you know, you provide your home as a place for people to come and grieve and pay respects, etc. But but what about the in the behind the scenes part? And excuse my ignorance, like, do you take care of the like so grandpa dies or the, the corpse just comes that gets dropped off at your place and then you do things with the corpse I, again what happens to that is that part of what happens at ridley so yeah we're we're a full service funeral home so we do everything we um you know the death takes place we arrange the funeral with the family we do the transfer from the place of death whether it be at their home hospital nursing home wherever the death takes place um, so our staff do all of that. We do all the preparations. Um, you know, we're and we're a small funeral home. We do all the cleaning. You know, so you know we're washing floors, we're cleaning bathrooms, we're vacuuming, we're dusting, we're doing all the stuff. I'm, I'm sorry, you um, we're at the at the places home at, at the, the place where they die. Nope, at our funeral. Oh, at your funeral. Yeah. So you take yeah, care so of we, the corpse. Yep. And um, we take care of everything. What don't we know about corpses? Is there something, is there some funeral, behind the scenes, funeral home stuff that we should know about corpses that you'd be like, oh, you guys would not believe what happens to corpses? Not really. I think, uh, I think what people don't really understand is the corpse isn't going to hurt you. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it's not going to hurt you. It's not um, it's not toxic. It's not going to blow up. It's not going to sit up. It's not going to do any of those things that they, uh, you know, all the urban legends tell us that, you know, bodies are going to start twitching or bodies yeah. are going to sit up. It doesn't happen. Do you cremate there? We're not on site. Um, I think our neighbors, because we, you know, we're in a residential neighborhood, basically. I don't think our neighbors would be happy to have a, a retort right next to their house. Yeah. Oh, is that what you call it? A retort? Correct. Yeah. Oh, Fred yeah. sometimes can be retorted, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've heard that. I've heard that. Yeah, listen, Fred's. Listen, I'm going to let Fred ask this because I'm, I'm before because it's one of the things I know that we've talked a lot about on the show about the changing nature of funerals and how a lot mm-hmm. of people are opting out of the more you know opulent and or the bigger funerals, just like there are, a lot of people are opting out of big weddings. Yeah, is. Is that true? People are streamlining um, different attitude towards um, funerals nowadays. Yeah, and my the traditional funeral, you know, the parlor and the you know, and the procession down the road and into the graveyard and whatever. Yeah, yeah, things have changed dramatically over the last thirty years. Um, you know, with the rise in cremation, um, mm-hmm. that's definitely been a uh, you know a driving force behind it. But 
You know, I think um, people are looking for something different than what they remember a funeral being. You know, people mm-hmm. aren't attending, you know, whether it's be church or, you know, a synagogue or um, some sort of religious uh, or, order that they're belong to in the past. So what you see the, them doing is they're looking for different ways to do it. So they might just want something very simple where they have just a, a family gathering, um, you know, spend a, an hour or two with the with the deceased and have some friends and family over and then you know we're all going to a restaurant and we're actually going to celebrate mm-hmm. um you know i was going to ask you about things. that like because another i just went to a funeral a couple of weeks ago and of course there's always those little sandwiches where the crusts are, t- are cut off do you make those as well you and the missus no no we have a caterer that does that for us but yeah we we provide all that stuff for families um and those we're in the good. process of yeah yeah you know, it's, too good sometimes. It's interesting here. It says Brad, uh, Fred has uh, six children, six children. And I thought, well, that's first of all, that's amazing. So that's what Brad's doing to relieve some of the stress of funerals. <laughs> but six kids is not only a, a great team, but it's like you, you have your own built in pallbearers. We, we do. And actually, during the pandemic, we actually there was a lot of times there because our youngest was a little bit too young. But the five other ones and myself were pallbearers a lot of time during that time. And what are the age ranges of six kids? Mm. Our oldest is 30 this year and our youngest will be 14. You wow. A 30 year old. Really? I do. Yep. You don't look much beyond that, honestly. And anyway, <laughs> uh, that's your under there. Um yeah, it's uh, it's uh, you you gotta like. What about are people joking with you all the time about it? Like, yep, yeah, it's it's a constant thing. You I, know, you, I would you, imagine like us here, we're just bubbling over trying to think of what many <laughs> things can we say about that's that. right. And I just and I'm sitting here looking at you, thinking this guy's probably heard it all. Yeah. Heard it all or said them all. Of yeah. course. <laughs> well, they call that. There's two types. <laughs> Go ahead. There's two. There's two types of people that we meet. We mm-hmm. we meet, or you know, enjoy talking to you, and they want to tell you jokes. Or you meet the other people you find it what you want to, that you do with for a living, and they're they're yeah. done. They're talking. They're yeah. they're walking away. Well, that's like us. Oh, really? Yeah. People. As soon as they yeah. find out what we do, they either want to joke around or they want us out of their house. Yeah. Now, now, am, do I have a right? Your your house where you live is actually attached to the the funeral home. Yeah, we, we live upstairs. We're the, we're the last funeral home in Toronto where uh, the family actually still lives upstairs. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's truly our home. It's, it's, we're welcoming you into our home. Wow. So you have houses beside you, like neighbors and stuff like that? And yep. what's, that, what's that vibe like with the, with the neighbors and everything? Same thing? Always making comments or what? Yeah, most of them uh, just really want to call you up and ask if they can use your parking lot. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> other than that, they don't invite us over for dinner. So when you no. were, you know, when your kids were younger, did you have to say things like, "Okay, kids, stop playing with the dead people"? But I, I, and I and I again, that stupidness aside, I imagine your children and their attitude toward death must be a different and and has and has been framed by being around it their whole lives it's just it's no big deal yeah i think for our kids it's a a healthy relationship with death yeah um you know and i think uh part of that is you know when we were you know they were younger and you know friends or people from the church would die we would always take them to the visitations and services so you know they got dragged around and saw lots of de- you know different dead people in different um circumstances but you know living above the funeral home you know they 
you know, they see the bodies coming in, they see the caskets going out, they, you know, get uh, dragged down to help move things around. And, you know, there's a couple times where it's like, you get really busy all of a sudden, and you have to run, you know, doing a diff- bunch of different things. And it's like, okay, right. get your suit on, come on downstairs, you're working today. Yeah. So if there's a car accident or something in your area, do you think, oh, I wonder if I'm going to get that one? Yeah. You, you, Truthfully, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I just love how Fred and I are competing with one another for who can, who can say this interview is dumbest thing. But I listen. Now, I, I, yeah, I but that, think about that, Howard. No, I know business. I know. Something, you think, that's geez, right. I could use that business. I wow. see dead people everywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing yeah. about your business. And we've thought about this. And one of the reasons we because it's it's been too long. We should have had you on long ago. I know that you've been involved with our producer, Toronto Mike, and. You couldn't have a better guy working with you. But I, and how it came up in conversation was, you know, we have on our show, as the years have gone by, I don't know if you've ever heard this program, uh, Brad, but it's, you know, very informative. But we have like, uh, we have a financial advisor. We have an insurance company. And I was saying to Fred on the show, I said, you know, it doesn't make, we would make so we and we have a mortgage guy now just sort of signed up with us. I said, we should talk to some funeral people because this would be the perfect place. Now that we're in our sixties, like a lot of people who listen to us are going to need funeral services. So humble and Fred will be able to provide sponsorship opportunities. Anyway, this is one of the reasons that, and Mike said, Oh, we should get Brad on. He is in the funeral business. So this is how it all mm-hmm. came to be. Yeah, we, you know, we get a listener and we just pass them down along the line of our <laughs> That's sponsors, right? right? That's <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> invest, travel, die. Here, invest, I love that. Invest, <laughs> travel, and die. Humble and Fred yeah. advertising works. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, if you die away from home, we have insurance for that too. Exactly. Um, listen, yeah. man, I, 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 and I mean this, I would love... Because I've been fascinated by all things medical my whole life, I would love to see how your operation runs. I mean, I'm not that far from you. One day, do you can you do an on-site walk around, look at some dead people? Is yeah, that, is that even if done? You to, uh, yeah, like we we give tours to people all the time. Um, you know, we actually have co-op students from high schools probably every year for the last five years. We have um, people that are interested in becoming a funeral director. So we do 40 hour students. Um, so there's lots of people that are interested. Um, and we do tours. We, you know, have different organizations that want to know a little bit more about what we do. So they'll come and they'll bring their group through and we'll, we'll give them a tour and explain everything. If I come, can I have a snort of that uh, proper 12? I love that stuff. That's a nice Irish whiskey. If you come, you yeah. yeah, if you come, you can definitely have a snort with me. Listen, I don't drink, but if I come, can I have some sandwiches? <laughs> I'm sure we'll have some around. Do you always have leftover sandwiches, little triangles, and some of those always. olives? Well, that would be great, man. I uh, really enjoyed this. I hope this isn't the last time that we get a chance to talk to you because, uh, yeah, it's fascinating. And, I, and again, there's so many conversations. And all jokey jokes aside, Humble and Fred listeners, you know, it, it's nice to know that there, you know, and maybe an official friend of the show someday would be able to take care of you. Uh, when the inevitable happens, you know, death is coming for us all, my friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Statistics say one of one out of one of us will die. <laughs> See, we're, we're, he's got his own eventually bits. billions of people now, eight billion on the earth. When all these people die, are we eventually going to run out of land burying people? 
Well, I, I suppose you could, but I think that's like countries like Japan. They've gone to complete cremation. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh and listen, no 100 question. years from now, we're just going to yeah. be shooting people in pods off the planet. Just yeah, maybe. A yeah. giant spitball of dead people <laughs> leaving the atmosphere. Brad Jones wants you to know his funeral home is called Ridley Funeral Home. And uh, his podcast, Life's Undertaking. Very interesting. Guy's got six kids. He's got a bunch of dead people hanging out in his house. He's got some booze. It's pretty good. Can I just ask one more question before you go? Well, I think about it. Do you know the answer to this question? People have loved ones cremated, and then they spread their ashes somewhere or put them in a lake. Is that legal? Absolutely. It is legal? Yep. Yeah, as long as you're doing it on, like, open bodies of water or crown land. Yep, or your own property. Completely. Okay. Nice. All right. I'm going to don't try. do that. Go to no, Ridley Field. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when when Fred dies, I'm going to have him cremated and I'm going to make him I'll make a pie out of it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Brad, thanks for doing this. Hope we get a chance to talk soon. Looking forward to it. Thanks very much for having me. Okay, Listen, buddy. my pleasure. You were great. You can see Brad's got some polish to him. He's done some podcasting. I love the fact right that his, I love the fact that Brad. If you were, were watching on Facebook, Brad's background is a bunch of expensive booze. <laughs> All right, Bradley, take care of yourself. Let yourself out. All take right, thanks a lot. Right on. Hey, Fredley, uh, do you have uh, something else to tell us? Yeah, I got uh, Bodog to talk about Howard. Haven't do it done on. that uh, yet this morning. Do it. And uh, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book, uh, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. And, of course, looking ahead to the AFC and NFC championships, uh, San Francisco uh, 49ers, a heavy favorite over the Lions, about seven points. Uh, more of a toss-up with... Uh, the Ravens and the Chiefs. Bodog is where you want to go. Speaking of bees, what is Boron? What is Boron1.com? Go and check that out. That's the page I'm at right now. I like to talk about all the things that Boron is in, but one of the things that is important to remember that this is an investment opportunity. Again, Fred and I provide no counsel or make any claims about stock prices but already a few humble and fred listeners have done their own research and that's what we say to you like have a look at this i mean first of all i could tell you all day about all the things that boron is in but do some research about boron and this company and as i've mentioned this week reminding everyone that junior mining companies rarely get to the position that boron one is in now and who knows at some point in the very near future, they'll be taking boron out of the ground, and it could be a great addition to your portfolio. Find out more at boron1.com. Uh, before we uh, get to our next uh, interview, one of the big stories uh, the last 24 hours, as well as that hockey story, is that John Stewart is making a return to the Daily Show. Uh, We'll host it as of, I don't know when, but soon, and through the 2024 election in the States, John Stewart is coming off the bench and will not only host the Monday Daily Show after a 10-year absence, but will also take a uh, leadership role off the uh, air as one of the executive producers. 
my thoughts are great. Mm-hmm. I think it's great, and and in a weird way, sort of necessary. And I think about who John Stewart has spawned. The smartest guys on late night television are John Stewart guys. Uh, John, John, what's his face? John, John Oliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, smart right. guy. Unlike me, smart guys. John Oliver, Colbert. All come from the John Stewart, you know, camp of comedy. But more than just comedy, I think John Stewart represents another sort of Bill Marv style voice when it comes to the coverage of not just this election, but this sort of inflection point in American history. Yeah, to me, John Stewart might be at the top. He's at the top and then. You go down right to the bottom of the pit where Joe Rogan is. But, uh, yeah, John is just balanced, fair, neat. Like Bill Maher is a bit off the rails sometimes. Um, but I love John Stewart. Your comment to me when I, we talked about it quickly before the show is uh, you said, why would he bother or why would he come back? Well, to me, I look like a professional athlete. You know, I used to say, you know, Tom Brady, after he won that Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, he should have retired then. That was such a great story. Um, and with John, you know, he established that show and did such a great job. When he left, people didn't want him to, but he did. And to come back, I'm just a little bit surprised. That's all. But I'm glad he is. Uh, I, 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 I don't know if I was surprised or maybe one, maybe since you brought it up, I was sort of like, well, why would, what would be the impetus? I think part of it is, you know, his, his uh, mm-hmm. show, other show, the John Stewart, uh, what was it called? The problem. The problem. Mm-hmm. It got taken off. And I think John Stewart's the kind of performer, kind of like we are. He, wa- you know, he doesn't need the dough. He's not doing it for fame. He's doing it because he genuinely likes to be engaged in this and wants an outlet mm-hmm. to, to engage with his audience at some level. And I, I'm, I, I will be honest with you, too. I don't really know what else they're doing on The Daily Show. Is there some other people that have been taking it over, guest hosting it? I haven't seen it. As you know, I was not a big fan of Trevor Noah. Yeah. And again, that's that's just me. His success speaks for itself. People love him, and that's fantastic. It's just after loving Jon Stewart so much on that show and being so into him, Trevor Noah just could, could never turn that corner for me. And I sort of gave up on it a long time ago. As did I. I was never a real Trevor Noah fan, although, weirdly enough, because I, I, I was familiar with him prior to The Daily Show as a, a stand-up, and I know he was a, I think he was a correspondent. I never really liked his stand-up, but in later years, I started to like the, his vibe on The Daily Show, which is weird. Okay. I kind of mm-hmm. liked his style, and especially become as he became more political, less, I think less about funny with Trevor Noah. He's a very smart guy. And I've mm-hmm. tried, listen, I tried, you know, people realize how much stand-up I actually watch, but I, almost everything that comes out on Netflix that's stand-up oriented, I give it a shot. And mm-hmm. his special came out, and it was about a month ago, I gave it a shot, and about 15 minutes into it, I'm like, okay, that's enough for me. I just, yeah. I, I'm with you in that, I don't find him, I find him more interesting than I find him funny. What I, the odd thing I don't to me his delivery it just never it's not I don't know yeah 
It seems weird for me to say it's not professional. Obviously, it is. But to me, the way I receive it, it just it doesn't seem pro. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what he is very good at. He's good at two mm. things. He's an excellent storyteller. And secondly, even in his special that I didn't love, <clears throat> I could, I just, I can, you know, you can respect how good he is at weaving a tale, mm-hmm. but he's great mm-hmm. at voices. He's very, very good. He's got a real global understanding of how people talk and not in kind of right. a, like, I know Russell, um, Peters, Peters is very Peters. good at it too. Russell Peters. Mm-hmm. But Trevor Noah has a, a very different way of doing it. You, it's like he's not doing an impression. He's very good at that characterization because he's lived all over the world. And he's got a very different global vibe. Back to John Stewart, though, Freddie. I don't know when it starts, but I know this. I'll start watching it. I will want to. Oh, yeah. Again, not on. Never watch that stuff when it's on, but I'll watch. I'll tape it or whatever people do. Uh, tape it. I'll try and uh, find out where it is and uh, have a look Especially at it. Especially the first one. Yeah. Um. While we're waiting for another guest uh, that we had rescheduled, let me just uh, let uh, let me just uh, find out from Toronto Mike where uh, they are because uh, we're supposed to have them. I thought at nine a.m. Look, look, everyone. There's Dan Duran. He's a sweet man. I'm back. Mm-hmm. Hello, Dan. Back. What's uh, Hello. what's how you feeling? You all right, man? Everything's good, yeah. Oh, here's Toronto. You had some breakfast there, Dan? You had some breakfast, some nice toast and stuff? I usually have a piece of uh, sourdough rye toast with a little bit of almond butter on it and uh, banana on top of that. Oh, almond butter, eh? Oh. Mm, Yeah, almond butter. Not big on that. Really? Yeah. Do you prefer a peanut butter or a seed butter? Oh, I prefer peanut butter. Crunchy. Hey, Daniel. Mm -hmm. Uh, hmm. Daniel? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it's almost like the bottom end has dropped out of your microphone. I, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, really? Well, want me to return in some way? Go I don't away know. Well, I'll back? tell you what. It, it, we're just standing by here for uh, Ashlyn Evans going to join us momentarily. So, yeah, it's, it's weird because usually yours is, yours, yours is the best mic of all three of us. No, I have no idea what happened. I, I haven't changed anything here. It's exactly the same as it is every day. Do you hear that, friend? Mm, not really. Okay, well, maybe that's just me, but I definitely hear a, a difference in the. It's almost like there's it's all treble, no bass. Hmm. Hmm. You don't like almond butter? Why? You, how can you be against almond butter? It's so beautiful. I'm it's not so against good. almond butter. Yeah, I just against, uh, Billy eats it sometimes, and I'm not. Uh, you know, almond milk. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. I drink. That's all, all I drink. Milks. It's all I drink is almond milk. <sighs> It's all I drink. I mean, and I don't even, I can't even remember what real milk tastes like. I don't, I can't see a grown man drinking milk anymore. It's no good for you. Mm. Well, I don't drink milk. I haven't had a glass of milk in years. What I do you use for your cereal? I might put a little bit on my, uh, I might put a little on my oatmeal, but maybe a couple ounces. Yeah. But that's it. Uh, I like milk. You, you should, know, the, the, it's not the, good for you, Dan. And and you're and you're contributing to the death of our planet. But that's fine. You go ahead. You have your oh, principles. Why wait isn't it good? Why isn't it good for you? Well, first of all, milk it, it comes from cows, and the only thing it was meant for was other cows. Yeah. So I have to give up cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell okay. you. Talk. Yeah. I was going to say that, you know, you're talking about the planet aspect of the cow. Yes. There's also the planet aspect of the almond. It's being mm-hmm. grown and ingrown in places that don't 
have any business growing the almonds. Like in California, the amount of water that takes to create an almond is uh, substantial. Yeah, yeah, but the global yeah. impact, I'll say this. I don't have it in front of me. Mm. And by the way, your mic is completely... You, you, when you go back and listen to this, if you ever do, you'll see what I mean. But the global okay. impact of cows and cattle and cows, I put them two cows. <laughs> way, so comparing cows to cows. More cows, lots of cows, way more of an impact than whatever they're doing or needing to grow the almond from a delicious cereal milk. Right. Okay. Well, you guys are playing a game of one-upmanship. That's what this whole show is, isn't it? Um, okay. Well, um, Dan Howard with just, the milk thing. Like I could see if I drank gallons of it and glasses of it, but a, yeah. a little here and a little there of anything. So You're fine. Everything you. in moderation. Yes. Um, but Dan, I think we're. I'm, what we'll do is, I Dan, can you come back? Hold on. Now, what did you say? I can't is wait it, to go back. I'll, I'll leave and I'll come back anyway. Okay, because uh, because if my microphone's not working right, yeah, I, do that anyway. Because apparently now the person's late, so Boone is now saying that he doesn't think that they're going to make an appearance. But we'll tell you what: you go and come back, see okay. if that does something to your microphone. All right, okay. And, uh, you know, I I, I know it's, I know it sounds like some kooky lefty, but you know we really are. There's so many things that are are making are making an impact on the planet. And, and at some point, we're going to have to figure something out. Because I, I, I know, I'm just a one documentary guy, and I just saw a documentary recently about this. And uh, again, I'm, you know, I'm, we've all seen those things where there are these, these uh, animal farms in the States and around the world where the mm-hmm. impact of them is so more than the average, than most of us want to even think about. Listen, I love chicken. I love cows. I love food. But... Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. And that's, by the is way... Is the cow fart a big thing? The methane huge. thing? The cow Dude, fart? Is that I know, still a thing? It's a huge thing. It's all... And we oh. and we can joke about it, but baby Slapshot Johnny and his family, our their kids are going to be affected by all of this. Mm. He's Slapshot Johnny now, is he? What was he before? I thought he was Johnny Slapshot. <laughs> <laughs> that's Slapshot, slapshot Johnny. Slapshot Johnny. <laughs> Yum. Hey. The other day, I'm in the, the super center and I'm looking for something for dinner. And I thought, ah, oh, we haven't had beef in a while. And I saw this sort of prime rib, maybe four inches thick for two people. I thought that's pretty good. I flip it over; it's seventy-one bucks. They can take they can take their beef and ram it because you know that whole tipping point thing. I don't mind beef, but it has its price. After a certain price, it's like sorry. The payoff ain't there. Yeah, it's like cigarettes. It's so expensive. It's like, we never, I don't get it anymore for that reason. I've never, like I, I, I haven't bought, a, I haven't bought beef or <clears throat> beef products for quite some time in the grocery store. Dan Rand, let me, let me check your microphone out again. All right. I'm speaking yeah. to you now from yeah. my microphone. Now, completely different. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Yeah, you that can, was crazy. You can buy a nice thick pork chop i don't know how many ounces for like 10 bucks the same size sort of um you know um rib steak would be like 30 like, yeah I, no I interest it, oh man it's crazy it's crazy man uh hey speaking of a big thick pork chop Dan, speaking of a big, thick pork chop, now here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Oh. 
Gandaran, the Anchorman comes to ask for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Gandaran, the Anchorman's here. He's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now live from the matrimonial home of Mr. and Mrs. Duran. Here is... You know, okay, a- sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I thought you were done with Well, no, I wasn't, but that's fine. I don't. I can go back and do it again. What, what do you want to say? Well, when you said here's the end, I thought you were done. Anyway. No, no I was going to say he's more like a pork tenderloin. <laughs> okay. But, can, but I, I usually say, now live from the home, uh, here's yeah. movie anchor. I'll do all that. All right. But he is more like a pork yeah. tenderloin. Um, let me just say to Boone here, uh, let me just say, no, no, come in. Um, yeah, our guest has uh, bailed on us. That's fine. Uh, anyway, I don't know. Uh, anyway, now live from the matrimonial home, uh, here is uh, movie anchorman and thespian, uh, soon to be seen in another production of the Peterborough Theater Guild and uh, all around fine uh, gentleman. Here's Daniel J. Giebert Duran. <laughs> okay, so what would you rather hear? Would you rather hear about uh, a, a peanut butter uh, hearts, candy hearts for Valentine that look like a, a Valentine's that look like a scrotum? Or would you rather hear about what the fuck is uh, Tucker doing in Canada? I think we should do uh, both. Oh, we've got time. This is a big show. <laughs> We do. Well, I thought we the, were we're getting too short on time. With no, the, we're not know, short on time. We had to. No, we're all fine. right. Okay. We got nothing to do. I didn't catch it. the first one exactly. Peanut what butter scrotums for Valentine's. What? Oh, okay. So here's that story: Reese's Valentine's pink peanut butter hearts, the 9.6 ounce version, is getting some social media exposure for producing a heart that, if you turn upside down, looks like a scrotum. Okay. <laughs> People are very uptight over the scrotum. <laughs> and I sent uh, Fred a, 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 a look at it. I can't say, because you don't have an iPhone, I can't send it from my computer. But. Oh, did you? No, yeah, oh, that's okay. fine. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it, it, looks, it looks a little scrotum-y when you turn it upside down. You know, like kind of like the balls that are hanging off those half-ton trucks. Kind of looks a little bit like that. Yeah, I saw... Um uh, something on CNN last week. This guy, I think, in Pennsylvania has a Trump story. He got an old church, and there's nothing but Trump paraphernalia in there. Yeah. And one of them is like a big set of balls, and it's like nothing could be further than the truth. If that man doesn't, if there's one thing that guy doesn't have, it's big balls. But anyway, I digress. I saw that story, uh, mm-hmm. and I it's it's interesting. It's funny that you brought it up because I I was thinking that that would be somebody that we could actually theoretically have an interview with. Yes. Because they're tra- it's they, because he seemed like the kind of guy that would be like, yeah, I'll talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, we should try and track that down because that would be fascinating. All through that interview that I, as I, I was watching it on CNN, the same as you, I was like, I'd like to talk to this guy and, you know, and see really like to have a conversation, like a normal conversation and say, just walk us through your process. You know? Yeah. Did you get the impression he's a true believer or just an oh, entrepreneur? Yeah. With soon, the, no. Well, both. Yeah. And he's a God guy. He's super God guy. Yeah. God. Yep. 
of so he loves trump of course and and to your point dad he's a trump he's a true maga guy like he believes the the dogma but he's also very entrepreneurial he's making a lot of money Mm -hmm. because there's a bunch of people around him that'll buy all that fucking nonsense um i i was gonna talk i actually had a clip here dan before uh, tucker uh, douchebag came to canada I don't know if you guys know this, but he sent a, uh, he did a little prank where he called uh, the prime minister. And here's that audio. Really? Thank you for your call. You have reached the media line. For all urgent requests, please send your request by email. Merci pour votre appel. Vous avez attiré la ligne médiatique. Merci beaucoup. Yes, hi. I, I couldn't understand the French part, but it's Tucker Carlson calling from the United States. And I'd be grateful if you pass a message on to the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. We are coming to liberate Canada. We are coming to liberate Canada. <laughs> yeah. We'll be there soon. <laughs> so that was uh, Tr- Tucker coming to Canada to speak. I love all these fucking assholes that think they're going to liberate Canada. Mm-hmm. No, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, that got me so pissed off. Where is he coming to? He went to Alberta, of course. Him and yeah. Jordan oh. Peterson and fucking uh, Conrad Black and Danielle Smith, that idiotic premier, mm-hmm. all welcoming this fucking asshole to her. Dan, what's the real story? Well, he went to the uh, TELUS Convention Center, uh, 4,000 people in Calgary. And uh, uh, prior to that, actually, he was he was, uh, you know, he did his whole thing, you know, like uh, uh, Trudeau is an authoritarian. We have a so-called democracy. The media is controlled by the government. Vaccine mandates, truckers, Alberta's mm-hmm. solar panels made his genocide, all that stuff mm-hmm. that, that he, you know, all the tropes. And uh, and this is one of the things he said on his uh, his his uh, Twitter show before he came to Canada. Here's a guy, Justin Trudeau, who will say literally anything. He will say the opposite of what is true with a smile on his face. His heart rate won't rise a bit. He's a sociopath. Here's also a a person who has no regard, in fact, contempt for democracy. This is the elected leader of a so-called democracy who refuses to even listen to criticism of his policies. You know, and it goes on. There, there's a 40-minute show. Yeah, like, hold <laughs> no, on a second. Like, how can he say that with a straight face when the same guy was caught yeah. on tape saying Trump is a fucking nightmare before he got mm. fired from Fox? Like, this is what bothers me. We all know what he really thinks. Anyway, I don't know. And that's for you to go to see Tucker Carlson other than to go and appreciate the hypocrisy and this business of Tucker that fools the masses. If you go there for any other reason than that, if you go there as you actually admire the man, like who, again, it's the same old question. Who are you? Like, like who, what goes on in your brain where you think that is valid? Like straight up. The guy, the, the guy's a, a weasel. He's a, he's a, he, you know, he's like that Candace Owen. You, you, you say things not because you believe it. You say things because it's good business. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, when he says that, Dan, and again, I him coming to liberate Canada. I, you know, I, I saw an interview with Tucker Carlson. I think I mentioned it to you. A comedian that I like named Theo Vaughn interviewed him. And I watched quite a bit of it. Mm-hmm. And I came away from it with kind of a different opinion of Tucker because he was presenting himself as kind of like a... I want to say normal, but more normal than I'd ever seen him present mm-hmm. himself. 
like a lot of self-awareness, a sort of an idea that, you know, I can't explain it. But then when I see him do this version of Tucker, I get frustrated because it's all such mm-hmm. bullshit. And as you say, any Canadians who went to see him, and of course they go to Alberta, and Jordan Peterson is there, the sort of dog whistle of all the fucking, you know, the young fucking white guys who think he's the Messiah. But it's all just so contrived to me. That's what it feels mm-hmm. like now. And, and to get sucked in by that, you know? I wonder if our buddy who owns the junkyard uh, went out to see him. Anyway, <laughs> be interesting. I could see he would. He would. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, He because those are all his guys. Jordan Peterson, Tucker mm-hmm. Carlson, Conrad Black, mm-hmm. Danielle Smith. Mm-hmm. It's the quadri- quadrilateral of uh, fucking idiots. Uh, <laughs> but let's not end on that note. Let's talk to mm-hmm. this sweet angel. For years, the host of... Uh, this country's most popular podcast, Toronto Mike. He's the—they call him the Godfather of podcasting. And who are we, mere mortals, to argue? While we're in the presence of greatness once again, please welcome back to our program. This uh, ostensibly this program's producer, but really a celebrity in his own right now. It is Toronto Mike. Okay, for the record, I did not write that intro, and I do not, uh, I don't think there was a lot of truth in there, but I'm happy to be back on the program. It's nice to have you, Michael. <laughs> and Brad Jones was good, eh? He's got a good sense of humor about everything. Oh, Bradley, yeah. Yeah, that was but great, man. Honestly, he didn't look like he could have a 30-year-old kid to me. He looked like just over 30 himself to me. I, 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 he put some Vaseline yeah, yeah, on the yeah, yeah, lens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he, how old he, he, he's got a 30-year-old. Listen, I have a 30-year-old, and I'm almost 90. Uh, how old could he be? 45, 50? Oh, mid-50s. Mid- if he's got a 30-year-old, he's not 45 unless he was <laughs> spreading his seed at 15. People Come do on. it. People do I it. I know. You can. You can. Yes, Mid-50s, I know. You but can. you know what he does? I'll tell you. Every morning, he goes to that F45, uh, not far from us, Howard, and he yeah. does like 45 intense minutes of workout every yeah. single morning. So he's keeping in shape, he that looks, guy. He's in good shape, yeah. Well, good for him. Yeah, Six kids, good. man. It's a lot of kids. Yeah. You've so got, you know many- the show... Me four. Yeah, you got four. That's a lot too. Dan's got one <laughs> that he knows yeah, of. That's a lot too. <laughs> that's enough. That's enough. Hey, quick! Just you were talking about transgender athletes, and I just want to point out the fact that our Canadian women's uh, soccer team that won gold at the last Olympics and was just in the World Cup mm-hmm. has a non-binary transgender player named Quinn. So Quinn plays for that team, and Quinn is a transgender non-binary person yeah when was born a, a, a male yeah born with the, i don't know what the term is born a man yes and uh yeah and now is a transgender non-binary person who plays for the women's soccer team did you say played in the olympics the ioc yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's okay one and one gold medal like they won gold that team so they got the gold and just mm-hmm. played in the world cup well, I thought wow. the uh, the email that we read, the, whoever that was, and I apologize because that was a while ago, I forgot. But that was an interesting, I the idea that hormonally, countries have been cheating for years mm-hmm. with uh, with their athletes, both male and female. Mm-hmm. But famously, female athletes from Germany and the former Soviet Union have been altering themselves mm-hmm. uh, through hormone therapy. The only problem with this, though, is, as I said earlier, we've talked about this now, the, 
it, it, it's it's just in certain sports there's such an unfair advantage mm-hmm. that they're going to have to figure it out somehow. Okay, so those females took hormones or whatever it was to become stronger, more like males. Yes. It's illegal. Yeah. You're thrown out of the Olympics for that. So then how is it fair for a male, you know, transitioning to a woman? Like, how is that different? I mean, it's just such a complex thing. But maybe it's about hormones. Like, maybe if Quinn... Quinn's hormones are tested and they're in some range of acceptability. Um, you know, not as much testosterone, maybe yeah. that's not allowed. So maybe Quinn's hormone levels are appropriate for the to be on the women's soccer team. Well, maybe that's the ultimate solution beyond just having their own category, which seems to be the most logical to this guy, to this reporter. But just that I re- remind everybody about Quinn. Because no, no, you're right. You're right. That's true. I remember hearing and reading about that. Didn't seem to, didn't create much of a stir at the time, did it? Not really? No, not at all. No scandal there. Okay, well, we're taking the show on the road again. Uh, I'm gone this weekend. Fred's gone in another week or so. Um, So we still will be, uh, there'll be no interruption of service for next week at least. The following week, I believe we've uh, taken that week off. Yes, we have. Well, Fred's traveling, and I've got uh, I've got some business in Mexico. But next week, uh, regular stuff. Uh, we got some great guests. Dave Thomas will be on our program next week, and not the Wendy's guy. He's dead. Shout out to Ridley Funeral Home. But yeah, <laughs> CTV Dave Thomas. Uh, that's going to be great. And then uh, Ben Murgy joins us uh, next Wednesday, and uh, Dan Duran, of course. Exciting to have Dan on our program, movie actor and and philanthropist. Philanthropist. Well, you because you, you do charity work with the oh right yeah with the Peterborough Theater Guild, Dan. That's right. Yeah. Have, have you decided whether you're going to do the play reading about hockey? Well, Lisa read shorthanded last night. Found a role that she thought I should play. She thinks I should play. Uh, I should go for it as well. So, and what is that role? Shorthanded. The hockey team has a uh, newscaster. No, it's the role of Cam. I don't know. There's eight guys in this thing, and they're playing. They're shorthanded on uh, the bench for uh, their their uh, seniors' uh, game that they play. So, so you know, you just it's a dressing room scene. Basically, the whole show is in the dressing room. Nice. So this reading would have eight people in it. At least eight people on the stage. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Well, is there any room for a couple of uh, fellows like Humble and Fred, perhaps, uh, in the um, you want play? To put your hat in the ring. I'm sure that uh, the director would love to hear from you. Oh, yeah. We can, we can all do it together. Uh, Darren spends a lot of time up there. You should rope him into it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're not going to be around, Howie. We can't do it. Can you imagine at some we point? We can't do it. At some point, uh, Dan's uh, in the role of Cam says something like, hey, damn, guys, we're shorthanded. What do you think? And then and Darren just starts going, <laughs> What's that? What's that, Cam? <laughs> the, drag, the director's like, cut, cut. God damn it, Stop. Darren. That's not your character. It's not always about the ye, my friend. All right. It reminds me of uh, back late uh, late nineties. I joined a men's hockey league here in Brampton, and one of the guys on the team had a huge hammer, much like Dan Duran's. Mm. 
But he dropped his drawers once, and he had one of those things through the head of it. Like, what do you call Prince it? Albert. Like a saint. Oh, Prince Albert. Yeah. I was going to say a St. Vincent. Mm. Uh, Prince Albert. Yeah. Like this big bar right through the head of his pecker. Yeah. And we were going, why would you do that? Oh, the women love it. The women love it. And, yeah, oh, okay. of course they do. Uh, Dan has one. It's a, a railroad spike. It goes right through. <laughs> it's a, one of the biggest they ever made. Uh, well, always fun to end on a high note. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everyone. Thanks very much to uh, Brad from Ridley Funeral Homes. Mike, we're going to mm-hmm. reschedule again our supposed guest today. Is that yes? yes? All right. Yep. And Mike, as Mike Boone would say, peace and love to each and every one. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, Bodog, Kelsey's, and our newest sponsor, Lender's Choice Mortgages. For contests and comments, we read all of our emails, Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com, HumbleandFred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, next time you hear this show, Howard will be wearing shorts. Think about that and try to enjoy every goddamn day. Habitations in the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low. The jigsaw jazz in the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts. Two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans and just clap your hands or just clap your hands. Where's that?